0: I'm Danielle Vassan and welcome back to another episode of Tiny Tots of and the Odds. Each episode touches upon the miraculous journeys of each guest, from medical emergencies and personal crises to parenthood and entrepreneurship. These are the stories and testimonies of great might and metal, and I can't wait to share them with you. Today, I am honoured to be joined by my next guest, Nana Martha, known as this Mr. Unique Voice. Nana was born six months premature, and weighed less than a bag of sugar at birth. Being born so early, many of his internal organs didn't form fully and he was left with a very narrow and complicated wind wipe. This resulted in him having a tracheotomy. but against all odds, he is here today. Today I talked to Nana about the challenges of living with a tracheotomy, being misunderstood growing up and how he is using his voice and platform to make an impact as a private advocate in the disability community. Despite the onslaught of both medical and personal challenges, Nana is proof that we are not defined by the prescriptions assigned to us at birth. So, here is Nana on the Tiny Tarts Defying the Odds podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for coming on today. No worries. You are an inspiration, I would say, to the disabled community, particularly as a black advocate for the disabled community, cabinet. Tractyostomy condition is not an easy thing. I really want you to talk to the audience today about your journey from NICU and even after the stages to how you overcame so many negative adversaries throughout your condition and how you're using your platform to inspire the others, in fact, the world, to come. I want you to talk about who you are. Introduce yourself and who is Nana. Who is Nana? I'm a disruptor, I'm a
1: person that. Doesn't like people with disability being targeted, direct and direct bullying. Through my own experience of living with a tracheostomy tube, stemming from being born twenty six weeks early, my own tribulations and understanding that society isn't quite fair to people with barriers or people of indifference. Can I say I'm a justice warrior? Same thing, like that. Yeah, yeah. As someone who just. Stands up
0: for the for the little man. Yeah. I love that. You heard it, people. It's a justice warrior. <laughs> yeah. and it's not backing down. No, so I like to hear. How was your NICU journey experience for you? Okay, I love that life
1: experience. I didn't quite go through it because I was baby infant. Didn't know what was going on. From what I've been told, I was born 26 weeks My vocal cords were very narrow. I had to be in an incubator for two years. My airway didn't grow with me. So I think from birth, I had a tracheostomy tube inserted by a baby's version. I was indoors a lot as an infant. A lot of the pictures I see, I'm mean, indoors and I don't see myself doing any activities. I think I became self-aware, not necessarily in nursery, but I'd say primary school. That's why I became self-aware that I had something actually wrong but I was actually different and it's kids kids are cool right so I found out I was different through someone trying to bully me and that's how I established that okay I've got something not quite right and then obviously having to be taken indoors during the winter cold periods I also established that okay this is weird our friends are playing outside throwing the snow at each other running around slotting those and up indoors with a teacher trying to do some activities with me till the bell goes, So I never really understood that up until one day I got so aggravated I kicked a teacher when the teacher was coming to get me to go inside because, yeah, I just didn't understand why every time I was just about to have some fun. Oh, you can't play outside, don't know you got to come indoors. So me kicking the teacher resulted in them calling my parents into the school for me to be actually told, oh, It's actually us, your parents, who have told the school to do this because of your condition. I'm like, what condition? Like, oh, you've got a tube, you've got a narrow airway, you're living with a condition that during the winter period, you get chest infection more rapidly than someone who doesn't have an open wound. And even that, I still thought, as parents, you could have told me this a little bit more earlier. You know, it did did run through my head as a child thinking, why did you tell me this before? You know, I've established I've got a tube, man, but what is it for? And I feel back then in the 90s, parents weren't really good at telling their kids that, okay, you've got something wrong, but you're still able-bodied, you can still go out and do what you need to do. And, and let's face it, the way equality, diversity, and all them types of fuzzy words to make you feel nice, it wasn't buzzing around back then like it is now. So it was, it was a different kind of experience.
0: Yeah, I could only imagine it, it must have been a difficult hardship to have gone through, especially at that young age. First of all, let's talk about the fact you didn't even know about your testosterone condition until a later age in your childhood. And, you know, having teachers not understand your condition made it worse. For those who don't know, tell us what a tract testosterone condition is all about and what negative effects did it have on you growing up in your childhood but your adult life.
1: Okay. So trachea is to me is an artificial tube in the trachea, in the airway. And if you look at my drawing or my jumper, you can see that the tube sits right in the trachea. So it's in between the voice box and the vocal cords. It allows you to not only just breathe, but allows you to be able to speak. And a lot of people look at me and think, oh, can you eat? Because you know, you a tube." Some of us can, some of us can't. So I understand why that question is asked but it's mainly a tube to enable people to breathe because if you ain't got no oxygen gun in your body, then your tops hit it. So for my instance, having that narrow airway, that meant less oxygen to my head. So it's a procedure to enable a person who is struggling to breathe, enables them to breathe. But in my instance, it, that it was a double-edged sword, it done two things. It enabled me to breathe and it enabled me to talk. And even with me being able to talk that was a touch and go because the way my voice box was so narrow doctors were not 100 percent sure if i was going to be able to speak because that voice was literally rubbing against my uh, vocal area and the trachea so for those that don't understand you see when you see someone with a tracheostomy it could mainly mean they're struggling to breathe and hence it's enabling them to breathe for some people It's the loss of vocal cords. And when you ain't got a voice, you need some type of vibration from your neck to be able to produce sound. So you see certain people with like little devices on their neck and then the vibration goes through and it turns into a robotic voice. So it's all to do with vocals and breathing. I think for me, growing up, I knew I was different. Growing up, I knew I wasn't exactly like my peers. I kind of shone away from you know, engagements with my peers. I was indoors a lot of the time, a little introvert, you know, indoors, not doing much. It impacted my adolescent years as I was growing up because local authorities didn't quite understand how to merge me into the educational system. I was homeschooled before homeschooling became cool. You know, I had teachers coming in from being paid by local authority to come and keep me on par with my Years, because I was out of school for about two years. In our two years, we're talking twice. So we're talking at the beginning of secondary school. <laughs> and then we're talking year 10, when I came back into the country from Ghana. Because I lived out there within my crucial teen years. And that's where everything disintegrated. And I had to come back for them to reset my track yours to meet you. It was different. It kind of dampened my confidence a bit. I really didn't speak a lot I didn't vocalize like I should I didn't have the confidence to be you know up front and speak my mind I was very into myself I didn't really have an opinion on a lot of things because I felt because I'm different Does my opinion really count and when you have a parent who is kind of an alpha male and to them your disability is like a hindrance it's like I was scared of it. He loves nothing wrong. Control the way you're breathing. And when you're having little comments like that from one parent, and then there's another parent championing you to be the best version of yourself, it was conflicting. It was bad. It was, it was draining on a young mind. So even getting to my teen years and realizing that, okay, I need to form relationships with females or, you know, going down the dating route. For me, it kind of was a slow, gradual process, and I feel all that stems from me not feeling I needed to vocalize how I felt. So I think my pinnacle is when I realized that if I don't speak up, people are gonna continue taking me. People take me because a silent man is an angry man. Because I was angry on the inside because no one took me serious whatsoever so at the age of 24 when I hit employment that was another saga being in a position where I'm earning my own money I wasn't getting money off the state and I was still being penalized or made to feel that I had been done a
0: favor to gain employment and that was a story in itself wow I'm just in awe of your journey let's go back first of all or rewind a little bit to something struck me you said that the alpha male in your home was more blunt and didn't get how hard it was for you work or trust ostrich Jenny and your mom was more the nurturing side. She got you, you know, she resented for you to help you push through those hard moments. This is something that goes on within a lot of parents' homes. It doesn't have to be a tracts ostomy condition. It could be another disability condition where one parent gets it and the other parent doesn't and can feel what's wrong with me. And even school journeys as well. I've known people that have got children with disabilities and they're constantly getting, you know, called to the school because the teachers don't always understand them. And it's frustrating for the mums and dads and they don't know what to do anymore. They try and explain to the teachers, oh, this is what's going on with my child. But yet still, you're not really paying attention, not really listening to what parents are saying, you're dismissing it and you're constantly, you know, throwing them out of school, kicking them out, but you're not really getting to the root cause of why they're acting out a particular way. What would you say to parents going through that right now where teachers are really understanding their child in the school life or parents always are having mishaps or may have mishaps with their child's disability journey? I think for me,
1: the world has changed quite a bit within my time. my time, there was no such thing as the social model (laughs) where you include people in a conversation. A lot of the time in my years of growing up, conversations were being had about me with me in the room, but not really involved in any part of the decision making or how a decision they were making would affect or impact me on my day-to-day living. As it stands now, yes, there is still like a, a mountain to climb. We haven't really got to the top of the hill yet, but I feel parents really need to emphasize for educational institutions to really take a day to understand a person of that condition. If that means going to an institution and looking at people who live with that condition, fair enough, it varies from person to person, but having that Mindset to understand than to just go onto Google and say, I've Google searched your condition and I understand it. Textbook and seeing it in physical life is two different things. So I think the, the parents who give birth to children who are premature, it's a daunting thing. You don't know if your child is going to live or die. And I think parents really need to take a deep breath and have faith and don't always accept what a medical specialist may say because medical professions only read from a textbook, yeah? Everything they read from is from a textbook and it isn't really necessarily what goes on in life. You know, in my instance, weighing a bag of sugar, having a narrow airway, being in an incubator for two years, going in and out of intensive care more than 26 times, I should have been dead that was the textbook, but like that didn't really occur, so parents need to have faith, and they really need to put their foot down, and don't be told what you feel your child will be, you know your child, if your child can no longer survive within society, or, you know, this world, then, you know, if they give up on their own accord, then, you know, unfortunately, that's the way the cookie may crumble, but If your child has a fighting spirit and they're willing to fight through whatever barriers and challenges they are facing then you need to be that vocal mouthpiece for them to enable that society understands that everyone has a different way of living and everybody's strengths are different some people are here some people are here some people are here so for parents who may be watching this i'm a product Of being born premature, being misunderstood, being misguided, being put in a send education because no one understood what my disability was in the nineties. Yeah, being a black person at that, they just wanted to chuck me where they thought they could do. You know, but disability has no color. You know, normally they will pile you to the side because they feel you are not a priority. (laughs) But if it's your counterpart, your counterpart gets seen gets attended to, and everything's good. So parents need to educate themselves. They need to understand the law. They need to understand the medical model. The medical model is all about fixing an individual, but sometimes you can't fix an individual. Sometimes a person with a disability or a person who's born premature has to go through the phases of living and understanding and coming to terms with their barrier, so parents, educate yourself, take things of a smile. Don't get too heated when people say certain things. As they say, loose lips. Always keep chatting. So these medical professions will say stuff, will trigger you. Your own family members will say stuff. What was it said about me? A lot of things were said about me. My, my father was told to put me in a home. They were putting me in respite. They were told to adopt me. Loads of crazy things. So people are people. Parents have to griple to their faith. And not listen to the outside noise. Only they know what's going on in their home. And only they can guide, assist, support, and be that bubble for their child.
0: I love that. So parents, educate yourself. Understand where your child's really at. And don't go by what doctors tell you in their reports. Because at the end of the day, doctors can only know so much. But yet, there's always a final say from God himself. You know, like your child able to defy any odds that doctors may limit them to. And I'm even a product of that, you know. I was quite into that. I tend to not really focus in class properly. I thought, oh my gosh, what? It, some aspects of my premature birth had an effect to me growing up. But no, I defied the odds from teachers saying I would fail. I was quite shy and quite reserved. I'd constantly fail. <laughs> Worst subjects you could think of. But yeah, somehow I made it through my GCSEs. Graduated high school, from there I went to college, got a business diploma, and then from there I got my business management degree. So, nothing's impossible. Don't allow external limits and and judgments to dictate your future. You're able to rise above every adversity in life. There's so much more to life and to tiny tots and doctors may think and measure them to be. And we're the products of that. So is that how Mr Unique Voice came about? You wanted to shed a light on the issues affecting the disabled community, especially as a black man, in that yeah. community. Yeah. Mr Unique Voice stemmed from an employment dispute.
1: So I found that every time I would get into employment, I'd have a manager who was in quite excellent from the crops. So that's it for a better better way of saying it. I came across managers who didn't understand disability. I came across managers who thought I was trying to outsmart them. I came across managers who thought I was trying to take their positions from them. It wasn't the case. It was a thing of disabled person. You have the facility to treat me fair. Treat me fair. Stop the backhandedness. Stop ticking boxes for your appraisal and making yourself feel good. Just be that person and support an employee who has had many tribulations before they've got to where you are to have their own type of income coming in. So I had, a, I had a manager who had their own preservations of life, had their own views on how they saw stuff, and that didn't include a person of ethnic minority, and that didn't include a person who was disabled. So I took two years of indirect bullying, direct bullying, and it got to a pinnacle where I decided to write a blog about my experiences working as a civil servant at the time. And that put me in a position where apparently I'd broken rules in their view. I'd spoken to the media, which wasn't the case. And I was handed my P45 because apparently I had not taken on board what an employee should do that was defining the roots of being a good little employee and getting paid so I took up on myself to start talking about my experiences as an employee what I'd been through how I'd been treated by a manager and how I'd been treated by various managers at different stages of my career that opened up the floodgates for people to message me and tell me it's not isolated I'm going through what you're going through I just don't know who to go to and talk to I established it wasn't It wasn't even just the London. It was a global thing where a lot of people with disabilities will just put up and shut up because, obviously, they had bills to pay. Now, this is where I say I'm I'm that freedom fire because, obviously, I didn't have bills to pay. I didn't care at the time because I just hate. I think something that really annoys me is I hate dishonesty. I hate more treatment. I hate when someone thinks that they're up there and they can talk to people, treat people very shallow or bad-minded. It really disturbs my spirit. So UD Voice was kind of blown through the tribulations of what I went through within an employment setting of how I wasn't treated fairly. Managers made it come across like I was a troublemaker. They always had a way to try and move the goalpost to make me look like the villain. And it was also a moment for me to educate people about disability and brother rights and just give a person autonomy and a voice because a lot of people with disabilities go through so much hanging back when they get into employment they really don't want to talk up because to them the framework is i'm grateful you've given me a job i'm just going to try and do the job to the best of my ability and i don't want to get fired and i don't want to lose my daily my daily bread and I'm trying to make people understand, you don't need to be able like that. They should be grateful for having you. They should be grateful for understanding that you're not letting your disability imprison and make you sponge off the state and make you be less included in society than you should be. So that's why you need Mr Universe was born.
0: Absolutely love that. Honestly, just listening to your journey is inspiring. I just want to say that it brings back so many memories of my granddad's journey he was actually disabled from a car accident that left him paralyzed this happened before i was born and imagine walking and never been able to walk again you can't never open your hands again but yet he visited different institutions and care homes he still used the gist of singing he didn't allow his disability to stop him from making an impact and been a few testimonies of how his singing helped others and he got to meet, you know, the Queen's mother, for example, and other people Mm. because he was determined to not allow his disability to stop him. Yes, he may be in a wheelchair, but he's not going to stop his gift of singing. Mm. So how are you using your platform to inspire others? I think for me, the
1: mere fact that I can speak, I want to use my voice to be able to spark a flame in others that I didn't unfortunately get when I was about 24. I think for me, I could have been born without a voice. There was two occasions when I nearly lost my voice permanently due to various procedures that needed to be done for my airway. And I think the main pinnacle thing for me is if you've got a voice, don't waste it. We see so many YouTube, TikTok, various platforms where people do craziness. And it's not of value to the world, but you will get the most hits than someone using their voice to be, you know, a beacon of hope. So with me, the method that I know that my voice box has taken a hammer. It's gone through head and back and I've still got that voice. Yes. I may be gasping for air. Yes. I may sound raspy. Yes. When you're standing next to me and I'm breathing, everything killed. Oh, the head is there, but no as I can talk naturally. My aim is to empower people to always remember to make a difference in someone's life. It doesn't have to be a big gesture, you know, to prove to show everyone or show off to everyone that you can make an impact. The needless things make an impact. The mere fact that you're seeing how someone's doing, the mere fact that you're looking at how society is behaving, and you're dropping nuggets of advice to someone to change their way of living is a way forward and it is a way to really impact you may be one, one person, two people, four percent of society, little by little you will change the world and I think my aim and my passion is to just keep on dro- dropping those nuggets of wisdom to impact and make people flourish within themselves because once you flourish within yourself you can flourish for the world. If you do not flourish within yourself and you decide to take pity on yourself for something that is out of your control, you are not being that beacon of hope for people who need it. And what we don't want to do is take self-pity and damage and break your own soul because is here for a purpose, everyone's here for a reason. Make the most of it, make a difference and be that beacon of hope for, for all, if not yourself.
0: I love that. Make the most of it and make a difference and be that beacon of hope for yourself and others. Wow, this is just nuggets you're dropping here. (laughs) Amazing. What opportunities have you had then? Because I see you do your thing. You've been writing articles for The Independent and been on the ITV, being an advocate. So do you want to tell us about that? I
1: think it's my natural flow that got me into these kind of opportunities. It's not something that was handed to me. It's just me being real and honest. I'm not sugarcoating anything. I'm not trying to downplay that. I've got a track. i have going onto to fish a tube in my neck. My first grand opportunity was when I got nominated for a National Diversity Award in 2018. And that was just to do with me just being out there and being outspoken and having the I don't care kind of attitude and, you know, not allowing social construct or people's opinions on what and how I should conduct myself or you know what type of language I need to use because at the end of the day I can only be true to myself is if I you know if I'm allowed to be myself once you start constructing and structuring someone to be a figure of someone's imagination then it won't work so being myself has brought me into positions like BBC on Eddie Nester's show. There's another show that I'd done on another presenters platform again on the BBC. I also got to meet some some famous people who were actors and actresses from EastEnders, Coronation Street, you name it. I also had the opportunity to be on Yanga TV, which is a platform on Sky. Again, that was me talking about disability and talking about myself. Having the opportunity to meet Some people from the ITV directors being in in spaces like BFI, British film industry, being on advisory board, and being on various platforms that pushed the ethos of you yourself, recognize who you are, and just live for you. As I said before we came on here, I've done so much that I don't, it's nothing where I'm keeping a record. So when people say stuff, sometimes I'm like, oh, did I? And then I'll remember it. 'Cause I'm not doing it for for gratification. I'm not doing it to make people think, oh wow, wow. I'm doing it. Because these platforms allow me to have a bigger reach to be able to get to people that would not necessarily meet me in physical life. So anybody that watches a program that I may have done a, a couple of years ago and you can take a piece of nugget from it, that's what the aim was. I have many people still reaching out to me my article was I wrote for the Independent newspaper. I wrote it, talking about just before the the COVID pandemic hit. And I'm still having people reach out to me. I'm even getting paid jobs because of that article. So it's not necessarily a difficult place to be in. I mean, people may look at me and think, oh, he's lucky. He's getting all these opportunities. I have numerous people saying, oh, how did you do it? It's not how you do it, just be yourself. Be authentic be yourself and talk about stuff that's relevant to people's lives you know if you're gonna go out there and be ratchet and talk about stuff that is just crazy you're gonna get the backlash for that but if you're talking about things that affect people's lives and things that are gonna impact and make someone take a minute to think opportunities come naturally and it's how you gravitate to those opportunities is what makes the difference not every opportunity is opportunity you need to gravitate to, but the ones that you feel you need to make that massive impact. And that's why I been doing all through
0: Love that. Love that. So guys, not every opportunity is the right one for us. The right ones will come all in into our laps. And the ones that aren't for us, we need to walk away from. And it's those ones that will make a strong impact to other people's lives. And if they can see that we have the heart soul and passion cause naturally people just be encouraged by that as you know now that i done my film two years ago right yeah. and i've still got messages of how for example a lady messaged me and LinkedIn, and she said that i just seen your film and uh, it was really inspiring I needed it in that moment because i was going through depression or dark period and now that's helped to uplift me and encourage me that I can be a strong woman and thrive in my purpose. It's all about who you touch at the right moment and what message you can use to convey to touch those people in those moments where they need it most. And you're doing just that, so keep it up. What does the future look like for you, then? The future
1: for me is being able to reach other parts of this world and educate them about disability because other countries, third-world countries, are so... Behind it's unreal about disability. You know, I've heard horror stories of how disabled people are treated in other countries. I've heard horror stories of how parents actually condemn and completely erase the existence of their child from their memory. So it's about traveling to other countries, being that beacon of hope for others, and changing the landscape and how disability is viewed and how people can you know embrace disability rather than detach themselves from it and make themselves so ice cold from a situation that it's got nothing to do with the devil as most of most countries think it's got nothing to do with anybody in your family cursing you it's got nothing to do with god punishing you for something you may have done in your teen years it's nature sometimes nature doesn't go the way it's meant to go and things happen and it's how we deal and empower and embrace that soul that has a disability to be a better version of themselves rather than being introvert like how I was for many years of my life before I realized my true potential enable that people with disabilities understand their potential from early and be a powerful impact for the rest of their life till they are
0: normal. And you're doing just that. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know that you inspired a few people today with your story. In fact, you. you inspired many people with your story. Where can people find you, Nana? So people can find me. Now, if you just type my name, Nana Martha, you can find me on,
1: on mm-hmm. Google. But my handle for Twitter is Mr underscore underscore voice. And it's that same handle for LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.
0: Awesome. Well guys, make sure you follow Nana Martha Hickie with the Unique Voice. He's got more to come in the future. So keep your eyes opened and everything and stay tuned for how he's going to make further impact within his journey and within his purpose. I hope you are inspired by today's podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode and it was a pleasure to have you listening in and and tuning in so I appreciate it and love you guys